You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikenna Okeke of the Father's Church. This message will challenge, encourage, and propel you to fulfill your purpose and live that life that God originally designed for you as revealed in His Word. Be blessed as you listen. Come with me to Luke chapter 10. Okay, so let's read from verse 1. So we have a perspective. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Three, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us will wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. 13. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, They would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to hate. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Praise the Lord. 17 says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. That the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name are written in heaven. 21 and the last one. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight praise the lord okay we have a text here and um if you may already have guessed where i'm you know more interested in is that verse 17 says jesus had sent 
70 of his disciples out with a commission. Go here. This is what you're going to do. Go to the cities. Go everywhere. Preach the kingdom of God. When you come into a place, if they receive you, enter. Eat whatever they said before you. Heal the sick there. Cast out the devils there. Be a blessing to them. Preach to them the gospel of the kingdom. And when you're done, move to another place and keep preaching. When they say no to you, just dust off, you know, the, remove the dust of the city from your souls and proceed and keep going. And the Bible says in verse 17, that the 70 returned to Jesus and they returned with joy. And they returned excited. And this was the excitement. Verse 17 says, the demons are subject to us in your name. Praise the Lord. Their reason for rejoicing is understandable. I would rejoice for that. You will rejoice for that. Praise the Lord. We will all rejoice for that. And verse 18, Jesus answered. The first response he gave to them is that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, they were rejoicing that demons, demons are messengers of Satan. They are junior Satan. They are his uh, little, little messengers. And they were rejoicing. And then Jesus said, their master himself has what? Has fallen. Praise the Lord. The first thing he was saying to them is that you ain't seen nothing yet. Concerning the victory of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, you ain't seen nothing yet. Praise the Lord. He said, you're rejoicing because you cast out demons. He said, I saw Satan. And the first word that I think God wants to say to you and I today is that Satan is defeated. Praise the Lord. He's been defeated historically. He's been defeated eternally. He's been defeated, you know, concurrently. And he's going to be finally defeated in future when there won't be any mention of him. You understand? But revelation will help you walk in the consciousness that he's already defeated. Whatever he's doing now, you know, it's like a man, like a footballer running with the ball when the linesman has raised his flag. It counts for nothing. In fact, thank you, Holy Spirit. Every activity of Satan now for the saints, for the redeemed, he's working for us. The apostle says these light afflictions, what are they doing? They work for us a far heavier weight of what? Glory. Everything Satan is doing now. He's working for the believers. And the Bible says, and we know that some things, is that what the Bible says? And we know that how many things? All things are working together. All things work together. All things, they work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Satan in the life of the believer has been defeated in every dimension. Praise the Lord. And if you really want a reason to rejoice, that's one area you can rejoice. You might be feeling pains in your body, but just know that Satan is defeated and victory is assured. You might have issues that are distressing you. Know that Satan is defeated. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for what? The joy that was said. Jesus knew he had won. Praise the Lord. He knew he had won. He was seeing the victory for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame and he endured the cross. That's what you and I need to understand. He said, I saw Satan fall. 
And if we had time, we see how Satan fell in Isaiah 14, 12 to 17. His fall was so great. He was saying, I will exalt myself. I will do this. And they said, how art thou fallen from heaven, Lucifer? At the end of the day, the human beings were looking at him like this. That's how great his fall is. And that's how every son of Satan is going to fall, even in Nigeria, in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. 19 says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. 20. Let's read that part together. Nevertheless, he said to them, What? Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But what? Rather rejoice because what? Your names are written in heaven. Then 21 says, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. Saying, Father, I thank you that you have hidden these things. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is bringing you and I to a knowledge that there are dimensions of rejoicing. Rejoicing is good. Praise the Lord. And rejoicing is what we are doing. Amen. Today we will dance. And we are going to dance. And we are going to celebrate. Because the Lord is merciful to us. Amen. I hope you know, at least as far as I know from the last time, no life has been lost. You are aware of that. Is answered to prayer. Praise the Lord. And the victory of the Lord is certain. In the name of Jesus. So we will rejoice. Because God hears. And God has heard us. Amen. Rejoice. Jesus brought a turn to the rejoicing of the disciples of this 70. He said, do not rejoice at the spirits. Are subject to you. And the Bible makes us understand in Philippians 4 verse 4, the apostle Paul speaking to us. He said to you, he said to me, he said, rejoice how? In the Lord, how many times? Always. And then he went further and says, again, I say what? Rejoice. What it means is that rejoicing is what we must do. In season and what? Out of season. The believer must rejoice. But here Jesus is saying, there are dimensions, there are levels to rejoicing. And that's what we want to find out this morning. Praise the Lord. There are dimensions to rejoicing. And if you come quickly with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103 begins to tell us what, you know, the way this flows. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me do what? Bless his holy name. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Nothing touches a man like benefit. You know, someone said that Medical doctors have not realized the therapeutic effect of a credit alert. You understand? You're having headache, you know, upset tummy, pain anywhere. The alert just hits your account, bam. And you're just well. <laughs> Praise God. You know, it just comes in and you're well. You know, you've not taken Panadol. No one has laid hands on you. Not, you're just well. You look at the balance, you're well. Praise the Lord. It says... Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do what? Forget not all his benefits. The blessings of the Lord, you know, they have a way of causing rejoicing. They have a way of stimulating joy and excitement, just like we are having in Nigeria at this time. Praise the Lord. When God answers your prayer, when God does things the way you asked him to do it, when you ask him for something and he does it, it's brings you know a well of rejoicing praise the lord it, it just makes you want to dance it makes you want to sing it makes you you know just 
burst out in song in the case of Hannah in 1 Samuel 2 verse 1. You can put it for us, please. This is what Hannah said. This Hannah's experience. We know Hannah's experience. Penina had pained her for so long. And then all of a sudden, she asked for her Samuel and God gave her. And this is Hannah's rejoices. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. He says, my horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Praise the Lord. Because I rejoice in your salvation. What God had done for her, taking away years of barrenness, caused her to be a mother. Anybody here crying, the Lord will give you reason to rejoice. In the name of Jesus. His mercies are that great. He's abounding in mercy. In the name of Jesus. That's what he does and that's what, you know, who our God is. He says, merciful and gracious, abounding in that mercy. So, benefits, the blessings of God. When you have a testimony, you know, this has happened. You have been waiting for this to happen. You know, there's a song that says, see what the Lord has done. Yes, there's that rejoicing. The things we prayed for, the testimony we've been waiting for, the graduation, the wedding, the house dedication. You know, as I'm saying this, you can be saying amen because, you know, the word is coming to you. Praise, you know. So all of that, they cause rejoicing. And even nationally, the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 2, it says, when the righteous are in authority, what happens? The people rejoice. I don't know about you, but my polling booth there was rejoicing. When the righteous are winning, the people are rejoicing. We're almost hugging ourselves. Hallelujah. When the righteous are in authority, the people do what? They don't need to drink. I'm going to tell you something. In Nigeria, very soon, consumption of alcohol will reduce. Because men won't need kai kai to have joy. The news from our government, events happening around will be causing joy. In the name of Jesus. So, the things that God blesses us with, you know, bless us, you know, the way the world is used generally, they make us to rejoice. It just brings a sense of, you know, exuberance, you're just excited and all of that. You know, you get a package, you get a nice message, you get one of those things. It just makes you rejoice. And that is the first dimension of rejoicing. Praise the Lord. And the beautiful thing about that level of rejoicing which, you know, is also another side to it, is that this level is available to all of God's creation. Everybody experiences. There is nothing I've mentioned now that God withholds from anybody. Any human being God created has this dimension of joy. Fruit of the womb, car dedication, house, you know, credit alert, healing, all of that. That's the beautiful thing about it. It's open to everybody, okay? And people from time to time, you know, you have some friends, some relatives who just tell you, ah, God has blessed me. And what is it? You know, God has done one of these things with them. And you indeed rejoice with them. Praise the Lord. I passed my exams. I was promoted on the job. You know, God has blessed me. Even though some of the promotions, the person cheated. You know, some of the exams, the person did one thing. But you see, there's that rejoicing at that level. But there's another step of rejoicing, praise the Lord. And this begins to change a bit because at this point now, it is still for everybody, but not everybody rejoices in it. In 1 John 4, 16, there's a way the Bible puts it there. It says, and let me make it personal. It says, and I have known and believe the love that God has for me. Praise the Lord. There's a rejoicing that proceeds out of the revelation of the love God has what? 
for me, the reason I didn't read the you know, plural part is because the Bible says in John 3.16, For God's word so loved the whole world and gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not perish but have what? Everlasting. But you and I know that the whole world has not known that love. But here the apostle John is writing and he says, And we have known, you have known, you know, don't you? You know, don't you? You know. And we have known the love that God has for us. That knowledge, that revelation of that love, it's a cause of joy. In fact, it will explain some joy that you don't know you have. Because let me tell you something, the way that joy works. You see, in John 15, 16, our Lord Jesus Christ speaking, he made a statement. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Now, that love is the love of a qualification you don't qualify for. Is anybody with me? You see, it's a love of invitation. You know how it is. I know that, um, okay, some of your friends are having a birthday party and they invite you. You look at the card, you drop it. But there's some person, maybe an acquaintance, maybe somebody you met, that sent you an invitation. When you read the invitation, you say, oh, wow. There's an excitement in you. Why? Because this person chose you to invite you. To his event. Is somebody getting in there? This is the joy that happens to the Christian when he knows that God chose him. I don't know about you. You may think you chose God. You may think, you know, you gave your life to Christ. But the Bible says no one can come to me unless the Father first what? Draws him. Jesus made it clear. He said, you didn't choose me. So for everyone hearing me now, you may not be, you know, able to put your finger on it, but this will help you understand. There's a joy that comes from knowing that God chose you. That of all the people, you know, in your circle, in your family and all of that, you need to pause sometimes and ask yourself, who do you really think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? Because you're not that. Because when we are saved... We are selected, we are special, we are chosen generation, we are all of that. But it's the one who saved us that makes all of that happen. Before then, we are none of that. Praise the Lord. So, the revelation of that love, it causes a rejoicing. And that love takes us to another step, which further establishes us. This is where the love or the joy of the love brings us into a place of stability and strength. There's a statement the Bible makes, you can put it, please, Romans 8, 35. You can put it 35 to 39 for us. Number one, it brings a satisfaction. Let, let me explain this now. You see, most of the things we do as humans, you know, we do it to be accepted. So, let's take it now. You're invited to that party. And um, if you're the average man, okay, no matter how high the party is, you will go and find something in your wardrobe to wear. If you're the average woman, there's a level that party is. Your husband is in trouble. Everything around you is in trouble because you have to buy a suitable attire. Am I right? That if you had this and you were to wear this, you say, no, I can't wear this to that type of gathering. Now, why are you wearing something that level? So that when you come into that place, you will be what? Accepted. That's why in the parable of the wedding feast, our Lord Jesus, what did he do? He provided the garment for them. Everybody who came did not have to worry about garment. He gave them the suitable garment. So when he found a man who didn't have the garment, he was inexcusable. 
Okay? So, this is what this love does. You already accepted. You know, when I, I had, I think it was my 40th birthday, I had a very close friend, very close, from university. When we got to Abuja, he was one of those who assisted us, you know, to settle in. And even though we said this party was black tie, this guy wore jeans and jeans. If we didn't go back well, I would have made sure they bounced him. You know, I greeted him, but I wasn't happy. He wore not blue jeans, dirty jeans, you know. You know, there is jeans that is respectable. Then there is jeans that is supposed to be for riding bike and all of that. He wore jeans and jeans. I mean, I, I said, okay, that's your level. Okay? So, this love we are talking about is a love of acceptance. This is the love that puts you in a class where you're not under any pressure to perform for anybody. And every Christian must have it. Are you with me? Where you know that you're a child of God. You're not an employee of God. There is no staff of the month where you're competing for. The father is pleased with you already. Somebody get it what I'm saying? This is what happens when you catch a revelation of this law. Now, let's see what this love does for us also. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You see, when I'm established, when I know this love, tribulation will not make me tell God, God, I'm giving you three months now. If you don't answer me. No, he loves me. The love compensates for everything. Are you with me? The love satisfies, it answers every question. I don't go to God and kneel down and say to God, prove to me that you are God. No, he has loved me. I'm in a relationship with him now. We are married. Is someone hearing me? It's a love that, you know, it's enough. Praise the Lord. We're in a time where the relationship, husband and wife, is under a lot of attack. But this is what husband and wife thing should be about. No marriage should be under distress because one party is not meeting expectation. You did not marry anybody for expectation. You married for love. Your husband or your wife is not an appliance. The blender is not working again. Is someone hearing me? The oven is not working again. No. There is love. When you love the oven, if it stops working as oven, use it as desktop. Praise the Lord. Or you can agree before you marry that this is purely utility. You cook for me, I bring food for you. If somebody looks for a trouble, I fight for you. Do you understand? You sing for me, I talk for you. You sign the agreement, utility. But if it's love, love means you already have everything. Now, ability and inability must not affect love. Is someone understanding what I mean? Okay. When a parent has a child... What does that child supply to the family equation? At three years, the child starts paying rent. He answers the door. He wards off your enemies. What does the child do? The child is just a child. You love the child. And the child knows you love the child. So when the child sees that you and your wife, you know, are busy having a good time or just gisting some, or you have some guests, the child will say, why are these people ignoring me? Yeah, yeah. You know what? The child knows... He's loved. So he just calls attention. You know, how many of us have carried children and the child falls asleep? And then you go to put the child down on the bed and then the child wakes up. The child is saying, I want to sleep and I want you to suffer. The two must go together. I don't just want to sleep. You love me. You have to pay. How many of us have children? You know, the child is dozing. As you now bend to keep the child. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means stand up. I, I don't know. I hope you didn't do it to your parents. <laughs> you know? I don't understand how children know when you're standing up and when you're not. You're carrying them, you sit down, they start crying. They want you to stand up. They know they're loved. They are squeezing it out of you. Praise the Lord. So this love brings the place of stability. It says shall tribulation. But go further down now. I believe it's 37 now. Where it says, thank you. It says, for in all these things we are what? We are more than conquerors through him who... The revelation of this love gives you strength. This is what happens when a, a child sees the father or the mother at interhouse house or something. You know, just supporting him or her. The child just goes, wow, that is for me. Go, go, go. My father loves me. You know, it brings an assurance. And do you know what? This is what every believer must know he or she has from God. You are more than a conqueror. Every situation, every circumstance you and I face as children of God, the truth is this. It were too much for you. God will not permit it to come your way. And if he has come your way, God is cheering you, expecting to come out what? Victoriously. That's the way it works. So it says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The knowledge of this love is a strengthener, is a a vitalizer. It infuses life into us. You just think about it and you're just happy. You're just encouraged. You just rejoice in it. Praise the Lord. I'm taking time on this because it's going to flow now. So this knowledge we're talking about, obviously not everybody enjoys it. It's available to everybody, but not everybody enjoys it. Praise the Lord. This is what, is what the other one built up. It is the joy of salvation. That one, you already know that one, right? It's the joy of salvation. It's similar, but it's not exactly the same thing. Because you see, in Isaiah 61 verse 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has what? He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Can you give us the message please? Let's look at it quickly before we come back here. He says, I will sing for joy in God. Explode in praise from deep in my soul. He says, he dressed me up in a suit of salvation. He outfitted me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom who puts on a tuxedo. And the bride, a jewel tiara. You see, this is a joy in knowing that you're saved. And, you know, I I think here we talk about that knowledge and that joy a lot. Salvation is a garment. Praise the Lord. How many of us like fashion here? There's something about wearing something nice. There's something about being properly clothed, beautifully clothed. There's no clothing as beautiful as salvation. Are you with me? Now, if you don't understand, the the Bible says our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. That word filthy rags is not the rags mad men wear. Not even the rags they sell in shops now. No, the filthy rags there talks about a garment that was folded, buried under a rock by a riverside. Now, it's not just torn. It has mold. It has all kinds of things. When you bring it out, you can't, you see, if torn clothes, you can wear torn, people buy torn clothes now. I've seen quite a, f- a few of you, you know, buy it. I may wear it, but I won't buy it. If I'm sure if I like something and it tears, I'll say it's fashion, I'll just wear it. But I won't buy now, maybe before I bought. 
but I won't buy now. I can wear the one that is done and clean fashion on, on top of it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the fabric of the clothing was buried on the rock by a riverside. So there is water, there is mold, there is algae, there is everything horrible. It's the type of thing that when you put, see, you throw it away. That's what the Bible says when it says all our righteousness is what? Is as filthy rags. Then that is what we had. And then God takes it away. We know the account of Joshua the high priest. God takes it away because he will not admit us into anywhere. He will not give us respect, no dignity, no standing anywhere. Your friends will run away from you, children. You know, everybody will just, you know, escape from you. Okay? But they take that away and they give you the robe of righteousness. A robe that the angels themselves don't even have access to. You're wearing the very garment of the Son of God. Praise the Lord. You know when in, uh, in the book of Esther, uh, King Ahasuerus asked um, Haman. When King Ahasuerus asked Haman, what shall be done for the man the king delights in? What are the things they said? One of the main things they said was, let a robe which the king has worn, let it be put on this man. He was prophesying and looking forward to what we have. But unfortunately, he didn't get it. When you're born again, heaven, God the Father, puts on you the robe that is fit for the Son of God. The robe that the Son of God wears. So, it's a reason to rejoice. Praise the Lord. It's a reason to celebrate. It's a reason for dancing and jumping and, you know, just celebrating every hour and every... So, that's why Isaiah said that. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Okay, and now when you're saved, something else follows because I want to tie this to our text now. In Philippians 4 3, it says, And I urge you also, true companion, it says, Help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are where? In the book of life. That's where it leads to. Because when we are now clothed in this robe of righteousness, our names are registered, we are recorded somewhere. Now, this is what Jesus was saying to the disciples or to the 70 he sent out. He said, please, it's good that demons are subject to you. But there is a better reason to rejoice. And what is that better reason? He said that your names are written in heaven. Praise the Lord. Your names are written in heaven. You know why? Because in this list, there is no shaking. The Bible talks about the crown of righteousness. The Bible talks about riches or treasures that no thief can steal, no moth can destroy, no rust can, you know, eat. When your name is in the book of life, that is being made. You know, you're chatting with someone or you're talking with someone, you say, that guy is made. That statement should only be used for established, known, spirit-filled, born-again Christians. That is the only person who is made. And that's what our Lord Jesus was saying to them in that verse 20. He said, nevertheless, do not what? Rejoice in this. That what? The spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because what? Your names are written in heaven. Why? Because every other list will expire. When you go to a cemetery, is there a different size of a graveyard for professors? Are you sure? A whole professor. What of doctors? What of um, sports stars? Music stars? Are you sure? So everybody gets the same 
Six by, is it six by three? That's what everybody gets. No matter the list they wear. Now, when your name is in the book of life, you escape. Let's read Revelation 20, 12. So we'll just get a full perspective. This is what the Bible says. It says, and I saw the dead. Praise the Lord. Who did he see? He saw the dead. Who were the dead? Small die. Great die. However high they were, however small. When they died, are what? The dead. There's a statement they make, you know, when they write funeral programs that I always find, you know, it makes me always think. It says the remains. And the remains will be. So it means that of all that you are, this is all that remains. But when that person's name is written in the book of life, glory is assured. That's why Jesus said to them, don't rejoice about it. Everything on this level will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not a jot, nor a title of my word will go unfulfilled. But beyond that, there are people that when that jot is recorded, they say he's an heir of heaven. Anybody in that list, can you thank the Lord for it? There's a song that used to say, that we used to sing, say, my name is there. The Bible version says, Aham Dinaya, Aham Dinaya. Now, Kukwon song, Ke Jesus, Aham Dinaya. Okay, anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. Okay, so it says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. Book of professors, book of billionaires, book of beautiful women. You understand? And books were open, all manner of books, successful, failure. All the books that were opened, they availed nothing until another book was opened, which is the book of life. Make sure your name is there. Make sure your name is there. And he says, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. This other book of life, the people who are there were not judged because their judgment has been laid on Christ Jesus. Continue, 13. He says, the sieve brought up everybody. Who were in death and hate delivered up everybody. They were judged each according to their works. 14. He says, then death and hate were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. 15 now. He says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was what? Cast into the lake of fire. My name is there. And I hope and I pray that your name is there by the mercy of God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's say thank you, Jesus. So when Jesus said to them, Rejoice about this. He knew what he was saying. And we can actually stop there and begin to dance. Because what it means is that you will outlive every situation that is contrary to joy. Everything that is painful, you will outlive it. Everything that is distressing, you will have victory of it. But there is another joy I cannot help but share with you. And that is the joy our Lord Jesus began to introduce to us. In a little statement he made there. You know, in that uh, Luke 10. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father. I mean, 21, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. And I like it when I see Jesus rejoice because Jesus can never be said to just be emotional. He was a perfect man, okay? So he had everything, suffered in all things, you know, yet without sin. But when you study his responses to situations, you can begin to see the ideal way, the way it ought to be. Okay? So he rejoiced and said, Father, I thank you that you hear the things from the wise and prudent and reveal them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good to you in your sight. Now, this not being so clear, we want to dig more. 
and see what is the thing, what are the things that make Jesus really to rejoice. Because we started by saying healing. Jesus would not rejoice over healing, would he? He was never sick. Jesus could not have been sick. Praise the Lord. No, it's not possible. Jesus really, you know, when he was even at the point when he was going to raise Lazarus, remember what happened? What did he say? He said, Father, I thank you that for you always hear me. Then he said, I say this because of these people. It meant that to him is normal. That Jesus could have been passing. I said, Lazarus, come and escort me somewhere. And Lazarus will come out from the dead and follow him. That's what he was saying. Praise the Lord. That's what he was saying. That's the authority he walked in. Because it's the resurrection and the life. He calls those things that be not as though what they are. He said to Peter, Peter, we need money for tax. Okay, he said, go, go, cast, cast your hook, you know, into the river. The first fish you cast. He didn't send the fish. When the word went, everything had to coordinate to supply what he spoke. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? Jesus is in a perpetual state of abundance. Jesus had no, unquote, had no testimony like you and I have. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what will make a man like him rejoice? It's just like, you know, today now. Who wants to be blessed all around? Praise the Lord. So God blesses you. You know, your BP is perfect. Your blood sugar is perfect. Your account balance is $7 billion. You know, your son, Chidubem, has seven grandchildren. You know, everything is just blessed. And you come and persecute and say, God's going to bless you now. You'll be wondering, where is he going to? Is somebody getting what I'm saying? There is no area where you need blessing. You have been blessed. Praise the Lord. You have just been blessed. It's that good for you. So that's where Jesus was operating. So what gave Jesus joy? Have you ever thought about this? I know we learned some time ago that faith makes Jesus rejoice. When he sees faith, he rejoices. But there's one that he showed us in the scriptures, which is where we want to end. Which is where we are actually being called to as Christians in Nigeria now. Praise the Lord. So somebody saying this dimension is where God is calling us to. Is the dimension of obedience. Praise the Lord. The dimension of what? Obedience. I'm going to show you in a few scriptures. Come with me to John chapter 4, verse 31. In John 4, 31, the disciples came. And the Bible says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. Okay? Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat. Of which what? You do not know. Praise God. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Well, you know why they said this? He was hungry before they left. Jesus himself, being weary from his journey, sat by the way. He was so weary, he had to stay and wait for them to go and get food. And then they finally get food and come, and he's not hungry again. Jesus, you must explain to us what happened. Praise the Lord. You must explain to us. Newly wedded husbands, you know what it means. You go with your friends and you eat. And then you come and your, your wife brings what she prepared. And you either, if you have boldness to say you're not hungry, that's another level. Or you descend to the level where you just pick on the food and don't finish it. Your wife will pull out a chair and sit down. Honey, where did you eat? That's what the disciples were saying. We know you are hungry. You haven't eaten. So they, 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 said, they said to one another, has anyone given him something to eat? And they were saying, no, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't. I didn't, you didn't, you didn't. 
Then Jesus said to them, 34. What does he say? He says, my food. Read it with me. He says, my food is what? To do the will of him who sent me. And to what? To finish his work. My food. King James Version will say, my meat. Brothers and sisters, this is where our Christianity should be. Unfortunately, our Christianity is the first one we started. Where everything, when people open scripture, what they are trying to preach to you from the Bible is the first level that is available. I don't know about you, but I like exclusive things. I like when things are special. Praise the Lord. Do you? Special things, you know, they make you feel special. So, we, we open scriptures, all we want and all we pursue are things that everybody gets. Oh Lord, bless me. That's fine. God will bless you. But he blesses everybody. Oh Lord, heal me. God will heal you. But he also heals everybody. Our dog just whelped. You know, no, no midwife. No antenata. We didn't even know. We just woke up one morning and saw puppies. Thank God the dogs don't steal. We would have said, yeah, Peggy, where did you steal these puppies from? Do you understand? God does that free of charge. That's where, you know, we anchor. So we're, we're sharing our every testimony is what God did for me. What God, it's beautiful, but it's a dimension that is available to everybody. I'm sure if you set up a tent in the middle of the road, people will tell you how God bless them with cars, bless them with houses, bless them with wives, bless them with all kinds of things. It's available for everybody. As well as us children of God. That's beautiful. But there is a level of joy that is not available to everybody. And that's where we want to go to. Because as we are praying for our nation and as we see what God is doing in our nation, our level must go higher. What did I say? I said our level must what? We must go higher now. No, we have to go higher. Definitely, we have to go higher. For those of us who were here on Wednesday, we saw what the Lord was saying to us. From, from uh, Amos 8. He said, this is what the Lord requires of you. You know, I'm zealous for Jerusalem with a great zeal. You were a cause, I'm going to make you a blessing. He said all of that to us. And then he said, this is what I require of you. He said, walk justly, speak truth. He gave us the condition. Now, Jesus is saying to the disciples, I have something that satisfies me. I have something that rejoices my heart. I have something that excites me. I have something that can make me get up in the middle of the night and go for three hours. Recently, you know, if you like Abalumo, hold Momichi after service. The imported one, the one who won. When Momichi speaks to her in-laws, it's not Naira that's sending her. There are some special mangoes, there are some special odalas that they send. From far and near, they send it to her. That's how Jesus asks for the will of God to be done. He said, I have food to eat, which is not in Wuse Market. Is somebody hearing me? Now, you see, somebody won't understand this. I'm going to come down so you fully get it. Come with me. Let me read a passage and then we'll come back there. Let's see Psalm 40. Psalm 40 verse 7 and 8. The Bible says, it says, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of, in the volume of your book, it's written of me. It says, I delight to what? To do your will. I delight to do your will. There's a dimension of Christianity where you want to find out. Okay, God, I know you want A, you want B, you want C, you want D. But which one can I do and escape? 
Anybody living in that zone? Where you're asking for the let my people go score. What's the pass mark in this Christianity? Don't steal. Don't do this. Don't do this. Hallelujah. I don't do that. That's what the rich young ruler did with Jesus. He said this was, I finished it. Then Jesus said, you're a wonderful boy. I love you already. Now let's get serious. He said, go sell all that you have. Give to the poor. Come follow me. Let's be friends. What happened with the boy? He said he went away what? Sorrowful. Praise the Lord. When you understand what I'm telling you about, you will begin to see the difference between real joy and sorrow. You come into a life where you're in a perpetual... Listen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many of us know that God created everything in this world? Everything. Even the things we think about. I want to give an illustration. Cocaine. Even though God didn't make it as cocaine. You know cocaine is a plant. But you know that feeling men get when they're high? And they're just... They're just high. You know that feeling? Do you think it's only cocaine that should create it for us? There's a place in the will of God that you locate yourself in. And joy will flow over you like you're on drugs. How many of us know Nick Vujicic? Nick, the armless man. Do you see him? Do you see the joy he radiates in? He's not on drugs. You know what he's on? He's eating the father's will. There's a place where you locate yourself, where you do the will of the father. There's a joy. Let me give you a simple illustration for the father's joy. Those who did the 21-day fast and prayed and earnestly did it, when you see what is happening, what's happening to you? Josh, your prayer almost didn't allow me to prepare this money. The man was too excited. I couldn't do what I was doing. I had to join him in, you know, in the prayer and missing my own. Do you understand? That's what it is. There's a place where God is doing something and you come along and then you look back and say, I, I was with him. He used me. I was amongst them. I believed him. It's a level of joy that is unimaginable. So Jesus said, my food, my food is not rice and beans. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it. When you get to this level of joy, you want to finish it. You, you leave nothing undone. You see, when your Christianity gets there, oh Lord, you begin to understand some attitude and some things, men like the Apostle Paul, Peter, you begin to, the whole thing will make sense because see, at the first level where we are, I mean, this is not all, but at the first level where we started from, the, the level of blessing, you come to God to be blessed. And when God blesses you, why is he bothering you? You've blessed me. Now, what, what's the big deal? You've blessed me. You've answered my prayer. I'm married. You know, I have the children. I have a breakthrough. If after a man has a breakthrough, what's the next thing you tell him? Do you tell him to break in? Okay, you, after breakthrough, let his enemies die because they're envying him. All those that are all evil eyes. God blind all the evil eyes. Let them not see me. Let them not see my prosperity. What do you tell him? But you see, when you come into this level, it's a, a state of perpetual anticipation. You wake up in the morning and you're saying to God, what are we doing together today? You get back in the night and you remember God used you to touch that little girl. God used you to minister to that young man. God used you to minister to that old man. There's a joy that flows. What it means at that point is that heaven, you know, invites you to the dimension of God. You see, it is God's nature to bless man. Praise the Lord. He causes his rain and his sun to fall on all of the earth. God blesses man. But there's a level where he gets into, where God doesn't just bless you. He brings you into him and you become a part of the blessing. That's what he said to Abraham. He says, I will bless you. And then what? I will make you a part of me. 
So you become a blessing. Let's rise on our feet. There's a dimension of joy. So we rejoice. We rejoice for several things. But there's a level of rejoicing. Job 23, please put it on the screen for us. Job 23 verse 12. And i like if you give me the message translation. We're going to look at it. Every one of us will read it. Because I want to believe God. That you and I will make progress in this direction. Praise the Lord. This is what Job said. Read it for me, everybody. He said, (laughs) I've obeyed every word. He said, I didn't just obey it. I did what? He said, I treasured it. It gave me joy. I was satisfied doing it. My mother-in-law is, uh, how old now? 91 now. This woman, send her money. Do everything. She stopped going to church because of her, you know, frailty. Anything they need in her church, just know that the money you sent her has gone. Anything they need, let her not hear. The money has gone. And then the children will be saying, we're sending this money for you. They'll be harassing. I say, you're wasting your time. Just know when she sends to church, replenish. Because the joy of this woman, she is not obeying God. That's why when I hear Christians say, Old Testament is, uh, is law. New Testament is this. They don't understand. When there's a love you enter into, that the laws become a delight. Okay, let's look at other translations, please. Let's look at ERV. ERV says, I always do what? I love the words from his mouth more than I love my food. He's a Christian like you. He's a Christian like me. He said, I love you. What does it mean to love? When you love something, what happens? Someone said the difference between like and love. That when you like a flower, he said you pluck it and go with it, right? But he said when you love a flower, what do you do? He said you tend it. You don't pluck it. You tend it. Difference. When you like a flower, you pluck it and it satisfies you. But when you love it, you tend it. It remains where it is. He says, I've loved the word from his mouth more than my... So he says... Just doing his word is enough for me. Someone was asking one of our, our brethren. He says, you mean your church did 21 days fasting just for Nigeria? No one day prayer for you. Every day I'm praying for Nigeria, I'm praying for me. Because when I obey God, I'm full. Do you understand? Hallelujah, somebody. Let's look at one more. The Living Bible. Thank you. He says, I've not refused his commandments. But what has he done? He said, I have enjoyed them more than what? Brethren, I don't want to put fear in anybody. But this is demanded of you. What did I say? I am demanding it of you because I'm demanding it of myself. And you know I love you. And I want the best for you. You must pray and cry out. Lord, let me love your ways. Let me, do you understand what I'm saying? Let me love you. De- let nobody deceive you. The Bible said there are few that are saved. And we're in the end times. Brothers and sisters, not many will make it. One of the safety nets for the end time is that you love the truth. Being smart, being blessed cannot save you from the wiles of the enemy. The devil is out there with wrath. He has a short time. He's bringing all kinds of things, deceptions, lying wonders and all of that. What will keep you as a Christian to be sure that you will make it to the end is that there's a love you have for God which means you're serving God not for anything but just because you love to serve him is someone hearing me 
Where you rejoice to serve him. Not what he did. No, that's what he did for me. We have passed it. It's the level where there is no difference between the heathen and the Christian. At this level, the Christians, the believers, they have known the love God has for them. And they are out in competition to our love God. What are you talking about? Waiting I do will make you love me so. Abby, then me I go love you too. I must love you. I must love you. God says do this. Then you're doing it, not doing it to say, why did the pastor say this? Why, why, why is God saying, no, 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 no. We can go back to the New King James Version. It says I've treasured. It's a treasure. What God asked me to do becomes a treasure. So when I come and boast that I'm blessed, I'm saying I'm blessed not because of the things that the world has or the things that I have from the world. I'm blessed because God sent me and I went. Hallelujah. That's what he was saying to the disciples. It says, do not rejoice that the demons. That's an outflow. When you obeyed me, you entered into a place of fellowship with me. The psalmist said, what is man that thou art mindful of you? And the son of man that you visited. He said, you put him in command of all the works of your hands. Do you know what privilege it is that God will ask you to do something? Let me ask you a question. What is it that God can do for himself? What is it that God can do for himself? <laughs> you know, we, we don't think many times. We don't think. Let's take finances. God says, bring money, give money to my work. And you're calculating. If I give God this 10 million, you look at pastor, look at the church. I give them 1 million. The question is this, who gave you the 10 million? Is it by blood transfusion you got it? Who gave it to you? Do you understand? God says, come, you know, there's a demand, you know, in the house of God for service of, you know, come and serve me, do rehearsal, do this and sing. And you're saying, they are troubling me. They are troubling you because you have the voice. Who gave you what he's asking you of? What is it that you are doing for God he can't do for himself? What is it? It's a privilege. What is man that you visit him? You know, what is man? What is man? It's a privilege. I told you my experience many years ago. I never forget that experience. I think I must have been 11 years or so. Secondary school, maybe class one. And... I mean, we're students, okay, and they're teachers, right? One day, one crazy day, the teacher asked on a Friday or so, how many of you would like to come and help me clean my house? I was amongst those who volunteered. Now, when I'm in the hostel, to sweep and to wash floor is punishment. Do you understand? I will dodge it by all means. I used to be a dodger. Thank God he forgave me my sins. I will dodge it. But when it was to sweep and wash the house of the teacher, it was like dancing. That's as we're washing. We're just so happy. Why? We're washing the teacher's house. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? When you know who it is you're serving, there's a joy. Jesus said, my meat, my food is to, I eat it. I delight in it. It gives me pleasure. So here it says, you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, verse 6. You have put all things under his feet. God does all of this and just calls you and says, be part of what I'm doing. He said, go and speak to that person on my behalf. Do you know what it means? If the U.S. government called you and said, please send this message to so-so person, what would you do? You first adjust yourself. Abby, why? Because the U.S. government taught it what? Fit to involve you. Child of God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, has said, come and be part of what I'm doing. It's a privilege. Let's just bless him. 
to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.